How the devil are you? This must be my saying that, isn't it? Yeah, well, you've taken it on yourself. Right, so this episode is going to be the truth behind the films, essentially, isn't it? Yes. We've got two films that we're looking at today The Entity and yours is The Hills of Eyes, basically. Yeah. I mean, that, that story was loosely based on that story of the caves. Benny Caves. So. Which is very, very interesting. Yep. So before we get into that, just uh, wanted to say, obviously we've been having a bit of banter on the old uh, Don't Break the Oath um, Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I've come with, I'm coming coming up with a list of ales, uh, because obviously the show is normally recorded under the influence of alcohol. Yeah, usually. I'm looking for a list of really good beers from around the world to to record with. Um, I've been given some Australian ones from Jody, and I've uh, I think mm. uh, Raymond's given us a couple of American ones to try and shit. Some like that. freebies would be nice as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, couple of yeah, crates here and there. We know won't go missing. Yeah, if you know any really good beers that you think I should try, if I haven't already, please let me know either by email or in the hangout. Right, shall I start with the entity then? Yeah, you start with yours, Luke. Okay, so most people will be familiar with the entity as the film or the book, but it it's based on. Well, when you say you know it's based on a true story, sometimes it's just very. Well, the very, movies can make it a bit yeah, more. Yeah, sometimes you know, it's very loosely based on dramatic, a true story, can't they? But I like this story, um, mainly because of the investigators. I'm mm. going to be honest. The story itself is like, yeah, I can take it, I can leave it, but the investigators to me is very interesting. Um, and probably spend more time talking about them, the actual case, but we'll get into it. So, right, this all starts in 1974, but that's when the entity starts, okay, but the case itself really, for me, starts a lot further back than that, because the lady in question was a Doris Biver, okay, Biver, and um, she came from a really, uh, how can I say this, she came from a. Um, she had a terrible upbringing. So okay. she had a hard background. Yeah, you know, you know she, yeah. she suffered from a substance abuse herself. You know, she's alcoholic and that. She's all the way pretty much through this entity case. She's she's de- alcohol alcohol dependent. Right. Um. But you know, she suffered greatly as a child, and by all accounts, her father had enough of it. Um. Kicked her out, uh, and obviously things got went from worse to worse. She ended up using. St- st- Allegedly starting to use uh, Ouija boards. This well, kind of usually thing. the case is now, yeah. is it? So, so we've seen a pattern here. So, you, so I, th- I really think it starts there. And obviously then she had a few, um, well, she had several abuse, abusive relationships after that. Yep. Okay, so you, you're really getting a, a feel for her being this, uh, obviously, you know, dependent. So she's, she's um, you know, that addictive personality, I guess. And then she's got the... You know the terrible relationships as well. She's got this baggage going with yeah. her, you know. So you can imagine. I've heard about this. Yeah, so, you can yeah. you can see yeah. the sort of picture that's creating here. But how it all happens then is uh, a Dr. Barry Taff and his associate Kerry Gainer were over here talking in a bookstore. Okay, so they're just talking about the paranormal. Um, and this woman over here, and she approaches them and she says, um, "Maybe you can help me because." You got a ghost. You got a haunting. Okay, who do you call? You know, it's usually a church or a priest, isn't it? Yeah. You know. So, but apart from that, you know, if you because even they're going to think you're nuts. But well, and back in '74, there wasn't much kind of 
No, this stuff so hanging about that time, was it? Not like it's just today, like, not, not up to date now. But um, obviously, she hears these, so she goes up and approaches. And now they, you know, they don't you know, tell her to do one. They they listen to her story. They're intrigued by her story. And at this point, she's only just saying that her house is haunted. Okay. Mm, okay. So they uh, they agree that they will come and investigate. You know, basically interview her, yeah. see what's going on. Um, just a little background on this because um, again, I say I'm, I'm going to get into Taff at the end, Doctor yeah. Taff. Uh, but just for those who want to know why he's uh, interested in this, he, yeah. So he's got he's got a PhD in psychosociology. That's it. Okay. He's also got a minor in biomedical engineering. Okay, that's just his credentials. But he works at UCLA, LA, and there there was testing stuff like um, um, what do you call it? Like um, you know when you move objects and shit with your mind. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of there was looking at stuff, There was looking at that. There was yeah. looking at remote viewing, all this kind of stuff. Before it was like, yeah. you know, in, in, in vogue kind of thing. Well, the government have been in this for a long time, haven't they? So. Yeah, and in, in, him himself, he's got like um, the reason he got into this paranormal is because he had a couple of experiences as a child. Right. Okay. Uh, one of them being he was at school, and this girl came towards him. You know, she's wearing a dress and all that. I think he said he was ten year old at the time, and she came towards him, and for, for split second, he said, "I could see." Under a clothes, you know, which is great skill to have. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had that. Yeah, mm. but uh, he said he could see under her clothes, and you could see that she had like this uh, bag strapped to her side. Right. You know. So at that point, he's thinking. Um, so she comes over to him and he says, "What's that bag strapped to your side?" And obviously, she's embarrassed by this because yep. she didn't want anyone to know that she had this clothes bag. Uh, so she goes to tell the principal. The principal gets him in the office. Said, "What you've been doing? You've been spying on the girls in the change room, you know?" Because I else do you know? He said, "No, no." He said it wasn't like that. He said I saw it. You know, he said, how do you see it? He said, well, temporally, I had X-ray vision. Anyway, he wouldn't have the principal wouldn't have it. So he he said, well, demonstrate this, you know, kind of thing. So he said, well, I can see, you know, just yeah. for a few seconds, he could see this appendix scar that this principal had, and obviously the principal was like shocked by this, sent for his parents, and no more was said, kind of thing. But he had a few experiences, if you want to call them paranormal. Supernatural, whatever. So obviously that kind of like interesting. Interesting. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. gets him into it. And again, you know, this is his experience, and I'll get into him at the end because it's interesting what he makes mm. of this case uh, and other cases. Um, so that's what it starts. Then, so the, the, they're over here talking about the, the paranormal. Him and Gainer in the the, the bookstore. They agree to meet her. Like they go to meet her, sit down, they have a talk talk with her. Now Taff does say that they. The house was a bit of a shambles, squalid living conditions, that kind of stuff. Um, that's disputed by the eldest son. He says that that house wasn't that bad. He, d- he disagrees with him on mm. a lot of things, but the haunting aspect of it, that he basically says, oh, yeah, well, that, that's true. So, you know, that to me more add weight, add yeah. weight to what, you know, what's being said. Because, you know, he's saying, no, that the house wasn't that bad. Because he even says, Taff said it was, the house was nearly condemned twice. Um, but the, the, again, the lad says that that never happened. So they come to meet with her, <clears throat> sit down. She tells them what's been going on. Now she said the claims were simple things, like she'd be walking around the house and she'd she just boom walk into somewhere. You know, that's not there. Yeah, this kind of stuff. Um, obviously, objects are moving, just the usual stuff. And they're sitting down, they're writing all this down, taking it all in. She says, um, but then she says she starts claiming that she's been physically attacked by these spirits. Okay, so this is taking it to another level because obviously we get yeah. uh, no, not my bear over. And that would have yeah, been, well, been bad news good at all. Definitely spirits. Drink the bear, but knock it over. Like. But um, um, so yeah, 
they were sitting down, and then she brings out this bombshell of this spectral rape. Okay, she says, these spirits rape me. Um, well, I mean, spirit or one, or... Is it, she's, well, she's saying one, or is more? She's saying one, one in particular rape. Right. So yeah. But, I, you know, I'll get into the rape yeah. side of things shortly. But at this point, they, they say, okay, you know, you've told us enough, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, make their excuses and leave. Get outside. And they're like, fucking hell, this club's Not nuts, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... You know, you can understand from their point of view. Anyway, they go away, they leave it for a bit, and obviously she probably gets in contact. She says, like, you know, what's going on, you know? Yeah, I thought you were going to investigate me out. So they they have a bit of a chit-chat with the with the people at the, the UCLA, and they say, well, okay, maybe you should go back and just give her a fair hearing. So they go back, uh, and basically they want proof of this you know, situation. Entity. So yeah. this, this, the meat family members who were there, uh, the, the children. Now, I should point out this time she's got living in this house, which is at um, Culver City. Okay. And this is 11547 Braddock Drive, Culver City. Okay. So this happens in August 1974. And she's living there. Uh, she's in her 30s. And she's living there with her daughter who was six... At the time, and three boys who were aged 10, 13, and 16. Right, okay. So that's who was present at the house. Obviously, family members come around from time to time while the investigators were there, and they said they'd seen the lights, as well as the children. The children said, Yep, we've seen the lights. They said, We've even seen one ghost, regular in appearance. We've even given him a name, and they actually called him Mr. Who's It. So they called him Mr. Who's It. So he said he was regular, but like, say, neighbors. Family members start coming around and saying that they've seen this stuff. So the investigators start to think maybe, you know, maybe she's not nuts because obviously all these other people are seeing yeah. it as well. Um, anyway, and then she starts producing evidence of bruises. Okay, so she shows them bruises on her back and her abs, stuff like that, where she says these spirits have been doing this, holding her down in the bed. Um, she also shows them bruises on the inside of her legs, uh, consistent with being raped okay, yep. by these ghosts. So at this point, they're really, you know, Interesting. Well, yeah. So the biggest claim, like I say, is is the rape thing. But just before all this kicks off, because they really want to get into this, but they're in the kitchen interviewing her. This is the second time. It's a couple of weeks after they've been the first time, and they're just sat in the kitchen interviewing her. Nothing's you know going on or anything. And then all of a sudden, the, the cupboard doors fly open, and a frying frying pan just shoots across the kitchen. It's the wall, and then they're yep. like they're hooked now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So they they're going back to the they're going back to the labs, telling all their friends, and loads of people want to get involved. So they all come down. It, it currently it's in sort of seventeen people being there at one stage, you know, in this house investigating. Anyway, the I'll I'll, I'll leave the rape thing f- for a little bit because there's a bit more to that. Um, okay, so essentially, what's happening? Obviously, we've got the rape, but we'll go into that. We've got the lights yep. being seen. We've got this apparition so got, being yeah, seen. So we've got the activity. You've got all that now, stuff going on. She we? says at this point, she says that look, I can almost conjure this up on, at will. You know, I can. T- uh, you know, and they say, really, you know, got to prove this. So mm. they ring a few people, and they, one of the guys who turns up to be there is this. Um, uh, what's his fucking name? This is the guy who wrote the book, Frank D. Felita. I've actually got a clip of him saying what he saw soon. So he's there as well. So they all get there and they say, she, they're all crammed in this room. There's 17 of them. There's, there's photographers, you know, the investigators. They're all crammed in this little room. And she starts saying, come on then, let's uh, 
let's have you, you know, where are you? Go on, you bastard, you know, don't be a coward, show yourself. And she, they said, oh, she's swearing like mad with all that. And then next thing they know, lights started appearing. And they said that the room was dark, you know, because you always go yeah. stunning in the dark, don't you? So the, the room lit up, you know, with this ball. It was moving around. So it wasn't like mm. someone had a torch or anything. It was the ball itself moving around, lighting up people's faces. And then it disappeared into the corner. And she's still swearing, come on, sh- we don't want to see fucking, we want to see the main show. We don't want to see fireworks, you know. Show us, show us the fucking, you know, show yeah. us what you are. Yep. So with that, she's, they said this mist appeared in the corner. Um, and basically what they saw, this green mist swirling around, uh, this apparition started to form in the mist. And they said it looked like a, a muscular man. Mm. Okay. In green. Um, and he starts, he's there, and he's there for a little while. And then, for whatever reason, maybe it's used all its energy up, or I don't know how spirits work, essentially, but it just popped. It's gone. Yeah. Okay, but like I say, 17 people there. Some of them fainted at this point, you know, because, I mean, that sort of thing, you know. Was the, yeah. all that, and witnessed by all those people, so. It's just entered the ether, that's all, it's using the energy. Obviously, it showed yeah. itself, and that was but, it, you know, for now. So this is Frank D. Valita talking about what he saw. All the instruments started clicking away. So I knew everyone was seeing this at the same time that I was. They were ducking and everyone was saying, oh my God, oh my God, look at that, oh my God. And then Doris started screaming. That was the woman who was being belabored by this creature. So I was screaming, I don't want to see your lights. Show us yourself. Damn you, show us yourself. She started cursing and swearing at it. And there, lo and behold, at that point, it started to appear. It sort of developed a kind of, it was a, a kind of arm was articulated. You could see sort of like an arm, and then a neck. And then, of all things, a kind of bald head. Now, this could have been our imagination, but collectively, we saw the same thing, every one of us. We saw the same thing. Obviously, that really freaked him out. There was many, many photographs taken, uh, and I'm going to play a clip. Um, of Gaynor talking about the photographs that were taken at the house right. and um, you know and, and his conclusion on them because the, I mean I've looked at the, the photographs and they, they are available to, to look and I'll include the clip in the, the video uh, the video in the description so yep. people can, if they want to look at it they can look at it I'll play a bit of the clip in it shortly well these lights for those who you know want to want to know what what looking at you, basically you've got people sat in the room. And she's sat on the bed at this time, and people take a photograph, and you can see these like arcs of light. Okay, yeah. But one of them is quite intriguing because that the arc of light goes round, goes across the corner of the room. Now, I know if you I've done this myself. If you get a CD or something in the sunshine and, and shine it at the wall, obviously you'll see the kink where the wall yeah, yeah. is. The, the two adjacent walls there. So that doesn't happen on this photo. So again. Difficult to recreate, and um, that kind of thing. So, that's that. Okay, so I'll play that second clip now of him talking about the photographs. The lady screamed out, it's in my bedroom. We ran in there. She shouted out, it's over in the corner. We fired our Polaroid camera in the direction that she said. We didn't see anything, but the picture came out bleached out white completely. She shouted out again, it's in the corner. Again, we fired our camera, and it was bleached out completely. At that point, I thought the camera was just malfunctioning. I waited till she said it was gone, and I took two control pictures. Those pictures are perfectly normal pictures. The only difference, she said it was in the corner in the first ones, and in these, she said it was gone. 
A few moments later, we felt a cold breeze of air coming through the door, accompanied by a horrible stench, a stench so foul, some people were vomiting. We fired the camera in the direction that that breeze was flowing towards us, and again, the picture was bleached out completely, except at the bottom of the doorway, you can see a little round ball of light. A few minutes later, she screamed out, it's right in front of my face. We fired the camera, and the face was completely obliterated. You can see the curtains behind her. You can see her dress. She shouted out again, it's right in front of my face. Again, the face is completely obliterated. Now, those were her exact words, it's right in front of my face. Once again, I wanted a control picture. I waited till she said it was gone, and I took the final picture. And this is a perfect, normal picture. It's just dark because we didn't adjust the setting. There's a scratch on it, which we put on it when we tried to clean it a little bit. But otherwise, it's a normal picture. The only difference between these two, in one, she said it was in front of my face. In the other one, she said it was gone. Right, we'll get into what we think's going on here, okay? What yep. Taff thinks going on here in okay. particular. Starting with the rape, okay? So... The way Doris described it, she said there was three entities. Okay, she said they looked like she describes them as looking like Asian men. That's the way she described it. She said there was two short ones and a, and a tall one. Now, Taff says this is consistent with their children, the three lads. Hmm. And obviously, there was a bit of turmoil in the house with her being um, drunkard and all the rest of it. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, on a job. Them having and a rough yeah, yeah. and that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, so there was that, you know animosity there and he almost thinks that she was projecting this um not that she wanted a children's rape but this no. this emotional um yeah. psych, you know psychological aspect to what was going on she was actually conjuring us and she was putting their you know, manifesting them into the entities if you like so yeah. the two smaller ones would hold her down while the larger one raped her and that's what would go on so that's pretty consistent with what she said happened mm. all the time and, and again Taff thinks that might be the thing well this went on and went for weeks. This is the, the investigation. At, at some point, she, she had enough of people being around there. She called the whole thing off, um, which you don't, you know, was understandable. She lived there for a little while, then she moved. When she moved, the entity went with her. Yeah, well, okay. I've always said about this. I've got my, I'll tell you later on about yeah. this, what I think my so, bad user. So. Again, you know, so that's basically where, yeah. uh, apparently, you know, she was haunted for a bit and then she went off the radar. I think she died in 1999, but. She went off the radar for that point. There's one other thing which pops up regular is um, music and how music affects. You always hear like um, people saying, "Oh, this," and I was playing Marilyn Manson, and you know this, and or I was playing Black Sabbath, and that pops up in this story as well. Taff spoke with the eldest son, and he said, "Look," he says, and remember this: this eldest son, by the way, because going back to what Taff said about the rape, mm. he says that. Um, you know, this is air projecting this. Well, actually, the, the other lad said he saw hair being tossed around the bedroom. He saw that. He yeah. tried to intervene, and something threw him out the room. Yeah. So, I don't know how that fits into to his, uh, you know, understanding what was going on there. But she was, if she was manifesting this herself, then she was quite powerful, you know. But the eldest lad does say that when you were playing stuff like um, Black Sabbath and Uriah Heap, um, and if you haven't heard Uriah Heap, then you need to because they're pretty good. Um, but Black Sabbath and Uriah, particularly songs that mention devil worship and that kind of shit. Yeah, you can actually. Yeah, they need, can, they, you know, the spirits seem to be upset by that, and it caused lights and all the rest of it. Um, so don't worry about that. But yeah, so getting back to Taff, then what he essentially thinks what was going on here <clears throat> is he thinks she was 
because of you know her baggage and all the rest of it, she was manifesting this. Right. Okay. And he thinks that he's you know investigated four thousand odd cases of, and he pretty much says that this is what's happening in all of them. It's not really the place that's all; it's the person or the person conjuring it. Um, and he says it's dependent on a lot of things, obviously your mental state, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and I can't disagree with that, to be honest with you. Well, I I, I would, but obviously yeah. you know because it's. Look, these cases you know, all over the world, you know, these people getting, uh, you know, attacked by entities and stuff. And, and some of them are uh, very good people, you mm. know, they don't take drugs and don't do anything. All of a sudden, bang, you know, the, the, you know so, you know, yeah, I think that, a, that kind of a explanation is... It's a combination of... Um, if it, the guy is actually saying it's all in the mind, which is what we shouldn't, mm. you know. But, but like I say, but then he's had his own paranormal experience. That's what I'm saying. Well. So, so, you know, so, you know what I mean? You can't so dismiss that. It's yeah. clear from that. But then there's too many flaws, this guy. So. There's things that, um, you know, happened that I can't put in that box, okay? Mm. And, and stuff like when they first got there, the house mold of rotten flesh. Yeah. yeah that had yeah. come and go. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced You've had that. You've experienced very similar yeah. to that. So, so have I. Um, and they also said that extreme temperature drops. So this yeah. is August in LA. Uh, and they said it would sometimes just be freezing. Yeah. Okay. Um, the frying pan flying out. I mean, that's, if she's conjuring that, it's pretty good shit. Um, but the temperature drops, I, I, you know, that's, yeah, and that's when usually spirit comes into the atmosphere yeah. and then obviously draws into the um, then obviously the temperature. And that's fall. reported in, in that's reported in places where sort of, you know, your paranormal investigators go in and they experience temperature drops. So you know, that's that's reported at a location. So it doesn't matter how many people go there, yeah. different people experience it. So um I don't know where that fits into conjuring it yourself, but a lot of this par- uh guy stuff, obviously a lot of this stuff happens with like uh, adolescent teenage girls you know, hormonal changes, and then yeah. you get poltergeist stuff. So it, it, the poltergeist aspect of it does kind of fit what he's saying. And but, the, but I think what gets me is the attacking. Now that's you're going, pa- yeah. you're, you're going past another stage. Yeah, now. when she's so getting like, bruises get the, on her. Yeah, yeah, this is where it's another. Now, now you're going to uh, another stage. You know, and this is where it's down to get dangerous. And that at that point, that that's really going out out of this box, isn't it? Um, yeah, you don't. I mean, you can con- if you can conjure up all these, and you know they can throw things at you, and make a nice, pretty, mm. a light show. It's fantastic. But when it starts to attack you, now it gets dangerous. Yeah, it's life threatening so, here. Uh, whether it was air conjuring it, whether it was a spirit I can't conjuring see. it, no. I mean, there there is a little bit to this, which um, again, I don't know how it fits into the story. And that, you know, it, it starts at the beginning. When she first moves into the house, she says that a Mexican lady comes to her door, basically tells her that the house is haunted. She's lived there when it used to be a farm. Um, it's haunted. You need to get out. So right, okay. she says that that, that happened. Preceding all this, she said that happened. So you know, I don't know where that fits into the... And I guess that put that seed doubt into her mind and then that, you know... No, I don't think so. Went from there. I don't know. I think it was also because she's, you know, taking drugs and she's on alcohol. And the main thing for me is Ouija board. Mm. You know, well, yeah, if, well, once she's start knock, yeah, if she's been out on the Ouija board and she's been, you know, asking yeah. and whatever, and um, this thing's actually attached to her aura, it doesn't attach to anything else, it's just her, that's it, you know. She can move 50 times in, 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 that, in that year, it doesn't matter, yeah. it'll still be with her, it'll follow her, not not not, not, not the building. So, well, yeah. that in a nutshell is the story of the entity. Ooh. Okay, so enjoy your own conclusions from that, yeah, definitely. Um, whether you think it was air that was causing it, or whether you think it was a spirit, but I uh, I don't think it was. A, I think it was a definitely spirits having a bit of a yeah, having a bit of a um, 
play with uh, this lady. Um, hopefully she sorts out. Obviously the, the film said in the end where we kind of it died out. It kind yeah, of got bored. The, it kind of got bored, or she just kind of it yeah, just faded it, out. It followed her, but eventually it did fade. And again, that's pretty common in yeah. other guys take it again. So yeah, yeah, it did fade out. Right, is it my turn? Right, people like this. This is a uh, Sony Bean. Uh, apparently, it's Scotland's most famous cannibal. Mm. Yeah, you like this one. Five particularly gruesome Hollywood blockbuster films have featured a character known as Hannibal Lecter. You know, likes his uh, taste of flesh. Otherwise known by his descriptive nickname, Hannibal the Cannibal. Well, this is Scotland's Hannibal Lecter. Okay. Uh, If legend is to be believed, however, when compared with the exploits of one Mr. Sawney Bean, it may appear more appropriate to rename him Hannibal the Pussycat. Okay. Okay. So, because this Sony, so, well, this Sony guy was the number one. Yeah. Well, his family as well. You know. Right. Um, little is known for certain about his early life. However, Sony Bean, his two, uh, is believed to have been born in East Lothian in the late 13th century, and was a tanner by trade. Now, tanner. Yeah. Yep. Hide skin. Hey. Yeah, the latter part of his life is a little better documented following his relocation across country to Ayrshire and his marriage. Now, this is where it starts. The newlywed Mr. and Mrs. Sawneybean set up home at Benane Cave. Apparently, he didn't want to follow in his father's foot. He wanted to do something different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is by so Ballantrae. He had enough of his nine to five. Yeah, he, he didn't want to do that this. anymore. He said his, his, his dad also worked on the farm and on the land. He said, "Fuck, I've had enough of this. I don't want this. I'm, I'm going to move to a cave." To a cave, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's kind of, well, yeah. that's kind of well, a career yeah, move. Yeah, yeah, well, I well. haven't. <laughs> I haven't moved to a cave. Oh, well, anyway, this uh, Benane Cave was uh, by Ballantrae in Ayrshire, in Scotland. Now, Benane Cave was rather an imposing abode, with tunnels penetrating the solid rock. And extending for more than a mile in length, so it wasn't just a normal cave. Like, yeah, yeah. It's going back and back, man. You know, really. In addition, the accommodation featured lots of side passages where a young couple could extend into and convert over the next twenty-five years to accommodate a growing family. And by God, did they grow a family in there? <laughs> okay. this, is, this is this is shit, mate. Want yeah. to this? The cave's entrance right was flooded for several hundred metres twice a day at high tide. Mm. Okay, that's a nice draft exclusion feature, though. You know, one of the features of the cave, mm. you know. So they only came out at low tide. That's right. Yeah. So they only came out at certain times. Mm. Uh, lacking in trade, it was Sony's plan to support his new wife on the proceeds of a robbery. It proved simple enough matter to ambush travellers on the lonely, narrow roads that connected the villages of the area. Obviously, you think, you know, yeah. we can't make ends meet. We'll go out, do a bit of robbing, take the money, make some money, live. Anyway, then it dawned on him, in order to help make sure that he could never be identified for his crimes, he, he should murder the victims. victims yeah. So, first of all, is kill the victims, yeah. hide the bodies. Yeah, dead okay. men telling their tales. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, to avoid those unnecessary visits to the shops for provisions while at the same time disposing of any evidence. He came on the bright idea of butchering the bodies to provide a high-protein diet of human meat for himself and his wife. Okay. Which, I mean, that, 
you know. How did he put this to work? <laughs> well, obviously, you know, the yeah. 13th century, of course, the man, yeah. man was, yeah. a, you know, the top dog. You know, and the you know this uh, idea I had kitchen. about... Well, uh, she was in a cave, wasn't she? You know this she idea I kitchen. had about running off to this <laughs> cave? Well, uh, how do you feel about eating people? <laughs> well, I don't know. You can do it first, yeah. you know. It's not quite going how I thought it would. It's nothing like the good life, is it? You know what I mean, eh? This is the good life. Well, anyway... Um, the high-protein diet seemed to... Why did grow vegetables a twat? You might have been. They might have yeah, seen the pot-like. No, obviously, yeah. obviously, they have to live on vegetables as well. The high-protein diet seemed to have been effective as Mrs. Bean began to produce little baby beans. Mm. Okay? 14 little ba- beanie babies in total, each with a very unhealthy appetite for human flesh. In 25 years? Yeah. So she was popping them out fucking good and... Good and proper, yeah. yeah well, Imagine they had no to do on a night time and stuck in the television, did they? Yeah, television. Yeah. Else, you know, each, uh, I said, each for with a very unhealthy appetite for human flesh. As a beanie uh, babies grew up, and in turn through incest, well, you know what that means, mm-hmm. don't you? Yep, I'm not saying anymore. Produced beanie babies of their own. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yes. Their cooking pots increased in size dramatically. So was it the kids shagging kids and or the parents shagging the kids as well? Everything. Yeah. Incest. So it's one for all, mate. It's all for one. It's mm, okay. Everybody's Well, yeah. I mean you know living in a cave is gonna do it to you, isn't it? Yeah. Over two decades, uh, generations of beanie babies grew up in Benane Cave, refining their skills of murder and cannibal cuisine including the now lost art of salting and pickling the flesh. Mm. So, so now pres- preserving it. Yeah, yeah, preserving it now. Okay. I suppose you never know when the next person's coming, do you? That's <laughs> it. Yeah, that's it. And obviously, you know, invite people for dinner, because there will be dinner, <laughs> won't there? Finds of curiously preserved but decaying body parts were discovered, uh, sorry, discovered, washed up in the surrounding beaches in the area. So now the people seeing these body parts and washed up in the water and... Okay. You know, so people's the, the, the people are getting suspicious. Yeah, well, that know. happens uh, even now. People keep finding shoes with feet still in them mm. on the beach. Well, yeah. Could be some beanies. Could be some beanies out there, mate. caves nearby. some beanies, mate. Cousins, I don't know, whatever. Some kind of uh, ancestors. Anyway, the uh, local authorities had by now established what must have been and what must still be to this date the longest missing persons lift uh, list ever produced. Although mass searches of the area were carried in order to locate either the missing people or their murderers, nobody ever thought to sit the depths of Benane Cave. Mm. So they thought it was someone from a town? Yeah. Yeah. So Which they, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously they didn't bother the cave, they just think it was someone town or someone yeah, doing it, whatever. Fair enough. Uh, as the years went by, the family uh, grew older, and thanks to the high-protein diet, bigger. And as the family grew, so did their appetite. Mm. As many as half a dozen victims would be ambushed and killed at a time in military-style operations by the Sawney Bean Army. The bodies were taken back to the cave to be carefully prepared for the larder by the women folk. Mm. So now it's like, now they've got a larder now. So the guys go out on a night time. Kill. Uh, Rob and the women, you know, and the women salt it and salt it. it and... Yeah, that's it. Fuck. Yeah. Even in the best planned uh, operations, however, things sometimes go wrong. It happened mm. one evening for the Sony Bean Army when they attacked a man and his wife as they were returning home from a nearby fair. Now this got me a bit. 
One group pulled the woman from her horse and had her stripped and disemboweled, right, mm-hmm. before the group had chance to wrestle the man to the ground. Now, how quick's that? Mm. It's very skillful. No, they're not fucking about. No. Imagine they've been doing it for 20 years, haven't they? Yeah. Realising the fate that was about to fall him, he fought desperately to escape, driving his horse into and over his attackers. As he fought for his life, a group of group of 20 or so people, also returning from the fair, happened upon the scene. After a brief and violent exchange, the Sawney Beam army found itself, for the, for the very first time ever, at a disadvantage and promptly retreated back to the cave to consider this situation. So now they've been, you know, this yeah. the, the people know about them now. Foiled. You know what I mean? As they retreated, they left behind the mutilated body of a woman as evidence. They didn't even bring supper back. No. So they're going to be, gonna be uh, told off by them, aren't they? A score of witnesses and one very angry husband. Mm. Right. No shit. You've yep. seen his missus disemboweled. Yeah, not very nice, is it? <laughs> no, is it fuck? No. The man was taken before the chief magistrate of Glasgow, who, after hearing the tale and putting this, to- and putting this together with his longest missing persons list ever and the many reports of the mysterious pickled body parts, decided to take the matter straight to the top. King James. Okay. Okay. Anyway, he promptly arrived in Ayrshire with a small army of 400 men and a pack of tracker dogs. And together with a band of local volunteers, so you're talking a lot of people now, okay, launched one of the biggest manhunts the country has ever seen. Like before, the search extended through the Ayrshire countryside and coastline, and like before, nothing was discovered. That, however, until the dogs picked up the scent of decaying human flesh while passing a partly waterlogged cave, the manhunt was closing in. So now the dogs... Got the yeah. scent. I was pulling in. You know, the, so there was no vis- visible signs then, would there? No, because no. it was flooded and all that. It was flooded, so yeah, people yeah. didn't think in the cave. Yeah, they they yeah. thought they, it was uh, uninhabited. Until mm. the dogs picked up the smell. Good plan. Good plan. By torchlight, the troops entered Benin Cave and with swords drawn, mm. they proceeded down the mile long twisting passage to the inner depths of the Sawney Bean family lure. Nothing could have prepared them for that sight they witnessed that day. It is said the damp walls of the cave were strewn with row upon row upon row of human limbs and body parts, like meat hanging in a butcher's shop. Other areas of the cave stored bundles of clothing, piles of watches right, and rings and heaps of discarded bones from previous feasts. Now this is like... Mm. There's literally bodies just hanging from the yeah, like cave, a cave, yeah, roof, yeah, ceiling, whatever it is. Yeah, rows and rows and rows. You're Fuck. talking a lot, a lot of people. You know, a lot of people. Anyway, after a brief fight, the entire Sawley Bean family, all forty-eight of them, were arrested and marched off to Edinburgh by the king himself. Mm. It, he said their crimes were considered so heinous that the normal justice system for which Scotland is so renowned was abandoned and the entire family were sentenced to death. The following day, the 27 men of the family met a fate similar to many of their victims. 
by having their legs and arms cut off and being left to slowly bleed to death, mm. watched by the women. So they was made to watch the men you know, yeah. die, bleed. Okay. The 21 women were burned like witches in huge fires. I mean, I mean, the kids and the kids didn't really have any choice. Choice. They was brought up in that. Obviously, you know, you know, they was brought up in that time, and they, you know, they get what they had to be given to survive. Mm. So it wasn't really the children's fault. So they they was like was fucking normal. Yeah. They just they was cannibals. But the burnt them twenty twenty one. Well, yeah, the the men, all the men were um, hands cut off, legs cut off, or sorry, hands cut off, feet cut off. And just led, just left to bleed to death, mm. while the women had to watch them bleed. All the men, after they were dead, then they took the woman, put them in a bonfire, and burnt a lot of them. Mm. Uh, even young, even youngs, I think maybe five, five, six years old. So they would have been shouting out like, "Daddy!" I mean, brother! I mean, uncle! I mean, <laughs> well, they want to uncle as well, you know. <laughs> so this is yeah, this that is uh, that is. Uh, Sonny Bean, Scotland's most famous cannibal. I can understand what they're saying now. He's like, Hannibal, he's just Hector. Mm, he's a pussy cat. Compared to that Absolutely. Yep, so that is the story of Sonny Bean. Now they live in a cave for 25 years, though. Well, they did. Mm. Obviously, he didn't want to work on the land. He didn't want to take his fat over, over his farm. I mean, there's got to be some... I mean, you're talking about really rugged countryside and remote countryside, but... Even now, you know what I mean. Well, but, maybe um, you want to start maybe living in a cave and live off the land. But you've got to keep a fire going, haven't you? Well, obviously, even the Mersham Scotland gets really kind of cold. Yeah. You know, you must be really work hard to get you know to work off the land. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, the Anderfalls could live in fucking caves, couldn't they? Well, yeah. So, yeah, I suppose it is what it is. <clears throat> but yeah, so that's the story of that then. So yeah. <sighs> I mean, do you think that's going to be going on? That's got to be going on somewhere in the world now, isn't it? Of course it has. Mm. You know, I think it's still, yeah, it's still around the world. It's still, you, know, still, you get these satanic rituals and mm. they, they do all that stuff, don't they? You know? Did um, he, did we know if he showed any remorse or? No. Um, well, you know, I think, I think you would have thought that, you know, all that big family that they'd been like, ugh. Because we want to have them to talk and stuff now. It's just, you know, just a basic killing machine. Mm. You know, yeah. you'd have no emotions, would you? You want to have emotions, you want to have any uh, empathy. Yeah. You know, you want to kill somebody, you enjoyed it, you had it, you know, so obviously, you know. Um, I mean, in that. They were showing no remorse. No. Absolutely not. They I mean, just, in, the, in the, you know, alive and stuff like that, plane crash and that. I mean, you've got to eat somebody, you've got to eat them, haven't you? Yeah, well, that's survival. Yeah. I mean, these this isn't one for survival for these lot, was it? Mm. It was just... It I mean, was, how many days... It, how many, I mean, it started as robbery, didn't it? It started as robbery. Really. How many days do you have to go on? What's that? So you're in a plane crash. Yeah. yeah well... And, I mean, how many days do you have to give it before you, before you start tucking in? Well... I don't know. I've never been. I don't, I don't want to get into that position. Honestly. I mean, where does what does a yeah? Well, at the end of the day, then right, you know, if you've got food, where's water? Because you need water, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snow. But what what does the law say? That's what I want to know. Because if you eat them within twenty four hours of crash landing, then that's probably a little bit too. That's soon, called yeah. Especially if they're still alive. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But if you leave it, what seventy two hours? I mean, you know, a week. Mm, I, don't I think know. ten days. You you can go ten. Most people can go ten days before they die of starvation or hunger. Well, well, starvation, not hunger. Uh, starvation, not uh, obviously dehydration. Yeah, yeah. Even I'm a leg man. 
You know, what are you? Ass. <laughs> you an arse are you? <laughs> oh, a bit tender. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't really want to be there, really, you know. But, um, right, so this ballad, then, we're going to play you out with this ballad today. Yeah, you like we? this ballad, yeah. It actually, you know, it really goes well with his story. Yeah, it, it tells really, the story, so... Absolutely, yeah. So Listen to it. You love, it. you love the ballad. And it's a, a ballad all about Sony Bean and the Benny Cave. It, it's just about that. It's fantastic. So we'll play you out on that. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime... Please leave iTunes reviews. Yes, if possible. Most important, we'd love you know yep. more reviews the better. Join us on the Don't Break the Hour of Paranormal Hangout on Facebook. Yeah, come and join us. Yeah, uh, you know, join us. Say hello. Yeah, you know, personal messages, whatever. We respond to everybody. We love the feedback. Um, in any, in, you know, any ideas to make the show better. Yep, it's all it's all relevant. It's all good. If we need to, we'll get you on. But um, but thank you for listening. And thank you very much. And enjoy the band. Enjoy. Funny beans got the munchies. A craving for flesh and blood. Body gaping, mouth to tame. A cave full of starving wings. He'll to the fact with anyone. He'll be lurking in the dark Oh, they're gonna hang us Oh, we're gonna die But we'll be looking for you In the sweet by and by and